I, I really hope all is well with you today. Last week we started looking at Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and we've been applying it to life in our homes, which is where we are right now, most of us anyway. He's painting a picture in this sermon of the type of life we should pursue to be blessed. He started teaching attitudes that God blesses, very first thing off the bat. And often, I I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I see the ideal and my heart is drawn toward what's right. But I also know what's real in my life in terms of what I think and say and do, and it often doesn't match up. That can be discouraging. It's not quite the same, but it's sort of like cooking with me. Um, I learned a long time ago I shouldn't try to cook unless it's something like top ramen. Uh, I, I, I do a really good top ramen, and the noodles always turn out al dente if I'm at the stove. But when I've tried to cook other things, more complicated things, I have the picture of the recipe turning out in my mind a certain way, and then there's reality that comes out of the oven or off the stove, and it doesn't quite match up. Uh, On social media right now, you can see examples of cooking fails. Uh, Here's one. They were supposed to be smiley faces. Now they look like tortured souls begging for death. (laughs) That's pretty fun. Uh, These deviled egg chicks didn't turn out quite like they look in the picture. And I bet they tasted good anyway. I really love deviled eggs. Uh, If you need a laugh, Google cooking fails sometime today or sometime this week. But my point is, We get a picture in my mind of how our life should be, and then we have to deal with what's real. In this sermon, Jesus shows the ideal for Christ followers, but what's real is discouraging. The good news is that God is gracious, and he doesn't expect us to be perfect. He just doesn't. He wants to help us move toward the ideal, but we will never be perfect in life, and he knows this, and we need to accept that as well. If we cooperate with him, though, and we learn his ways, and we begin to take on his attitudes that he's teaching us here, Jesus is teaching us here, more and more, as we do that, we'll experience the blessing God really wants us to experience. Jesus shows us the ideal here, but he meets us wherever we are in relation to the ideal, and he gives the grace we need to keep moving toward the ideal, to grow toward it. In this sermon, Jesus is giving the ingredients of the good life. And the more we mix the ingredients into our life and relationships, the more we experience the ideal that he intends for us to experience. He said he came to bring abundant life, overflowing life, full, rich, 
in all of its goodness. Last week, we looked at four attitudes that God blesses, being poor in spirit, having an attitude of mourning over sin, meekness, not weakness, but strength under control, and to hunger and thirst for righteousness like we crave a good meal. Today, we're going to mix in some more attitudes that really bless our home if we choose them. Now, here's the scene. Massive crowds are beginning to follow Jesus. They're, they're, they're curious about who he is. They're starting to think he might be the one to bring salvation to the world. They, the, the Jewish folks had been looking for him, this Messiah, for years, centuries, thousands of years. And Jesus starts looking like he's the one and the crowd's starting to swell that are following him. And so he goes up on a hill and the picture is he's up on a hill and then the crowd is down below. So it's a natural way to speak and be heard. And his concern in this sermon is that people begin to understand what he wants from his followers. He begins to clarify the ideals for his followers. Not to discourage, but to help us see and our hearts resonate with these things. We know they're right. We know they're the ideal. Here's what he teaches in Matthew 5, 7 through 10. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. First of all, God promises to bless the merciful here. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy is defined as not dealing out the punishment that someone deserves. And that's how God is. God is merciful. He's gracious. He's loving. And here's an unbreakable law of life. And this is what Jesus does. He, he looks at the truths that are woven into the way life works in reality. And he talks about them. Here it is. If you show mercy, you'll get mercy. That's the way it is. Think about it. Isn't this the way relationships flow? If you are judgmental and harsh and critical and you show no mercy, that's what you get from people in return. You close yourself off to people who are judgmental like that and critical and you, you don't want to relate to them. Later in this sermon, Jesus says a couple things about judgment. One of the things is, he said, the judgment that you get, or the judgment that you give, is the judgment that you receive back. <laughs> that is the way life works. And then on top of that, he makes it very clear in the Lord's Prayer that we have a problem in our relationship with God if we're unforgiving, if we're not merciful to the people around us. If we show mercy and kindness to the people right around us, 
to our family, to our spouse and our kids, then we open the door to connecting with them. If you struggle, though, with being critical and harsh and judgmental, that creates a barrier between you and them. Here's a cool force field that Boeing has a patent on. I I think it looks kind of cool. It's amazing. Kind of the stuff of sci-fi videos or movies. Um, A force field is an invisible shield against attack. And when we're judgmental and harsh, that's what we're doing. We're putting up an invisible short uh, force field. And there's a barrier. We're putting up a barrier between ourselves and the people close to us that they, they don't really even want to get in. They don't want to be close to us. Um, whether you're doing that out of self-protection or not, if we don't show mercy to people, they're repelled by that. They, they can't get past the force field, and life is not good. It's, it's really not. Ask yourself, based on this first attitude that God blesses, am I withholding mercy from others? Am I dealing out the the punishment that I think they should receive? Am I giving judgment out? Am I being critical and harsh? Can I bless them, on the other hand today, even though I don't think they deserve it? Can I bless them with kindness? Can I give them a hand? A second attitude Jesus says is blessed is to be pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jesus is talking here about how we relate to God. If we don't have a pure heart toward him, then our vision is blurred. That's what he's saying here. The pure in heart see God. They see him clearly. They see life and others with clarity, the way God wants us to see them. If we try to focus on two different objects at once, uh, we can't really bring either of them into focus, and our vision is blurry. It's the same with giving attention to God. That's what Jesus is saying here. If you have something that's vying for your attention, either a sinful pattern or a critical attitude or just grumbling about what's going on in your life right now, you lose sight of God's best for you. You get disoriented to what's most important in this situation right here in front of me. You can't really see it because your vision is so blurred. The amazing thing is God loves us so much that he is merciful and gracious every time we confess our sin to him. But we have to apply that grace and mercy to our lives by confessing. You might know about this life hack solution to getting stains out of clothes. Uh, If if you use uh, hydrogen peroxide, you can even get blood stains out of clothes. Uh, But watch this video with me. 
The point is, you, you can know about that solution, but you still have to mix it and apply it to the stain. In the same way, Jesus makes it possible to experience forgiveness and to have a pure heart. But we have to apply Jesus' work on the cross to our sin. We have to confess it. We have to agree with God that it was wrong. We have to admit that we've blown it. And when we do, he takes the stain away. He removes the stain. And that's how we grow a pure heart. That's how we get a pure heart. And that's how we continue to grow toward having a pure heart more and more. If if you want to see people and life clearly, the way you should, the way God does, maintain a pure heart. A divided, impure heart blurs our vision of God's way. God sees what's going on anyway. He knows. He can see through to your heart, and he can see what's going on in there. Admit that you're struggling to do right. Tell him. And he will work with you. If you admit your struggle to God, which is being poor in spirit, like we talked about last week, to realize that I need God and his help to get into the kingdom and walk in the kingdom, if you decide to be poor in spirit and not proud, he will clear up the vision, your vision of what life can be under his reign. He will help you see himself. He will show himself to you and he will show you his way. Jesus promises that we'll see God if we're pure in heart. We will see his work in our lives. We will see the next steps that he wants us to take. We will better be able to discern his guidance in our lives. This is exactly what we need. We need to see spiritually, and we need to see clearly. We need 2020 spiritual vision. It's like the difference between HD and 4K TV. We begin to see life. If we're pure in heart toward God, we begin to see life in all its richness. In, in this way, Blessing is found if we're merciful and if we're pure in heart and also when we're peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Being pure in heart is about our relationship to God. Peacemaking and mercy are tied to our relationship with others. And when we're seeing God clearly, when we're pure in heart and we're daily receiving his mercy, we're going to him and admitting when we've blown it, he moves us toward peacemaking and relationships because this this really pleases him. We all want peace in our relationships, don't we? Have you ever walked into a room where two people are fighting? (laughs) That is so awkward. Have you ever been arguing with someone and another person walks into the room 
Major awkward. That's a major cringe moment for me. I've had a few of those. When arguing and fighting is the atmosphere in the home, when tension is so thick you can cut it with a knife, no one wants to be in in that room. No one wants to be in that home. It's just not very attractive. When conflict exists, so does cynicism. At least the temptation to be cynical is there. And we can see the worst. We can expect the worst. And it leads to more fighting, more arguing. One of Jesus' titles is the Prince of Peace. The reason he came and stepped into our world was to tear down the walls of hostility, to make peace between ourselves and God, those who accept what he's done on the cross. He makes peace between ourselves and God. He tears down the wall of hostility between us that was generated by our rebellion. And then he tears down the walls of hostility between ourselves and other people. And we become peacemakers. His sacrifice on the cross made a way for us to be reconciled to God. And we honor his sacrifice. We honor Jesus' sacrifice on the cross by becoming peacemakers. By pursuing peace when we've been sinned against. If we do this, we will be called the sons and daughters of God. In other words, we will be like our Father in heaven who has gone to great pains to make peace with us. He sent his Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die a horrible death on the cross so that we could be made pure in heart. What a gift that is. And so where there is peace and goodwill, God is at work, and it's a characteristic of his kids. This is what his family is like. And so I want to encourage you, aim at being a peacemaker at home this week, or among friends, or at work, or wherever you are relating to people. Aim at peace. Pursue it. Be a peacemaker. Think the best. When someone offends you, be slow to speak and react. Give the benefit of the doubt to them. If you feel wronged, pray about it. Seek peace by talking it over. Think it over. Pray it over. Think about it. Don't just blow up. But take the time to pray about it, think about it, talk it over. But don't react emotionally don't just don't go there when we pursue peace in our homes it's like a refreshing breeze and the the atmosphere in our home we can carry it with us we can tear, carry that refreshing breeze with us to work our friendship circles the other places that we relate in the church family as well it's a refreshing breeze when we have a pattern of making peace with the people in our lives. 
In these attitudes that God blesses, Jesus shows us a whole new way to live. And it's a blessed way. If you want to change the atmosphere at home, mix these attitudes into the atmosphere of your home. You're not responsible for anybody else, but you can choose these attitudes, which are basically an attitude is a mental preset and approach to life. We can choose these attitudes. We can ask God to mix them into our hearts and make us more and more like him. And if we do that, we'll be blessed. Don't hope for different results by using the same old recipe and the same mix of ingredients. Keep turning to God for his help and power and see a difference that he can make in your life. What, what a difference it will make in the atmosphere of your home as you choose these things and you experience them and then you begin to carry that atmosphere with you to the people around you in your neighborhood, at work, in the church family. It's an amazing thing that God has done. And Jesus wants us to know for sure the blessed life, the path to the blessed life. And so he's sharing with us these attitudes so that we can know the ideal for his followers and even though it can be discouraging to see the ideal, our heart is drawn toward it, and he is very, very gracious with us. He shows mercy. He doesn't give us the punishment we deserve. He takes it on himself. And so I want to encourage you, as I wrap up this morning, to put what Jesus taught into practice. That's when you get blessed. The blessing is found the book of James in, in the New Testament says, the blessing is found in the doing, so we need to put it into practice. I want to encourage you, pick one of these attitudes, uh, the one that you most need to apply, and memorize it this week, and then apply it. As you're memorizing it, think about ways that you can apply it and ways you need to apply it in life. So I hope this has been a help to you. And I'd, I'd like to encourage you to pray with me. Would you pray with me? Or I'd like to ask you to pray with me. How about that? Father, we thank you so much for your kindness and your grace and your mercy. Blessed are the merciful. You are merciful. We are like you as we show mercy to the people around us. May you help us to do that more and more. Thank you for Jesus, for what you've done to give us a pure heart, to make that possible if we accept what you've done in our lives. You've allowed us to uh, find forgiveness and grace and mercy in you. Give us power to take the step that you've laid on our heart today as we've looked at your teaching, Lord Jesus, give us the power to take that step. Holy Spirit, fill us and lead us in this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.